listening to the Saluki Games Cast. It's May 25th, 2023, and we just had the beginning of E3 season with the first PlayStation Showcase. So, um, you know, E3 is starting earlier than it used to. It's mm-hmm. all the way into May at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm joined, my name is Justin Young. I'm joined by OJ Duncan and Alicia Utech. OJ, Alicia, how are you, the two of you doing? It's not that time of the semester. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I don't have much to do until June starts. So that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you spending your time waiting until June gets here? Oh, sleeping a lot. Really. Just <laughs> catching up on all the sleep I never get. Uh, that is a mood. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, Rainbow Cafe, the LGBTQ center that I uh, serve on the board for is uh, moved to a new building and we're really trying to get everything set up how we wanted and we're like installing the floor. And so uh, I'm going to be evenings most of this week starting or starting on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to be there putting in the floor and doing other little things to get it ready for like a grand opening. Like we're still, we're doing stuff there already, but like we want to have like a big grand opening when everything's finished. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just doing a lot of manual labor. There yeah, because you, go. you, you got a new building right mm-hmm. downtown and everything looks yeah. cool. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty exciting. And it's uh, a good time to be doing that because you get enough sunlight that if you don't feel like you've wasted your whole day, even yeah. if it takes you till 5 p.m. <laughs> right. you're oh, like, oh, wow, I'll be there 5 till 8. So, <laughs> But it's still sunlight at 8 now. So. I'll say, you still get out and you're like, okay, I could go get dinner now. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like you're trying to eat at midnight or something. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Uh, Alicia, how have you been? Uh, I've been all right. Um, you know, some ups and downs. Um, had to very unexpectedly put down my kitten. So that was really hard. But love cannot be divided. It can only be multiplied. My aunt is coming down to visit me for Memorial Day weekend. And on her way, she met up with the people from the rescue where I had gotten Faramir to pick up a new friend. So... I'm getting my new cat in about two and a half hours. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. I am really excited to meet him. I've named him Wesley. So that way when he's being a little turd, I can call him the Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought because you were naming him after Wesley Crusher. And so you could say, shut up, Wesley. That too. Yeah. <laughs> if he's if he's being obnoxious in the middle of the night, I can just be like, shut up, Wesley. <laughs> uh, but he is between one and two years old. We're not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. But he is a snuggler, which I'm very excited for. Because Faramir cooperated with being held, but eventually he'd be like, okay, now it's time for me to get out and to go yeah. play. And Wesley apparently just happiest time is when you're holding him. Mm-mm. So I am very excited to meet him tonight. <laughs> My young cat Gizmo likes to be held and will actually just demand it at times. <laughs> so sometimes I'll be reading and he just comes up and just starts pushing his head into me until <laughs> I like make space for him. And uh, and then he just wants me to you know pet him and rub him and everything and but he has his moods and you know like there are times he wants to be held and petted and times he absolutely does not. It's like don't even look at me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I but, know, it's funny. I've been one of the folks in our co- in my cohort. Zoe is out of town right now, so I've been feeding her cats, mm-hmm. Naja and Darwin, 
And Darwin is like, he'll make eye contact. He's very communicative. He'll meow and walk over to his toy. And like, he's very clear on what he wants and getting affection and all that. And Nadja's like, if you look at me, I will fight you. (laughs) (laughs) When, when you said they wouldn't make eye contact, I was like, Oh, is it just a socially awkward cat? (laughs) (laughs) No, Darwin's just a constantly baffled cat. His face just always looks like he's flabbergasted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fun. And it's, it's really exciting to be getting a new pet. That's always exciting. And I mean, it's, obviously sad the reason why you're getting a new pet but it's also exciting that you're getting a new kitty a whole life and everything that'll be that'll be fun it will be and you know i'm i'm still heartbroken over faramir and also i'm ready to have another friend in my life and i'm very glad that those things can both be true at the same time yeah it's um it it's good that you have progressed beyond cognitive dissonance. You can hold two conflicting thoughts <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Um, but that's very exciting. And so definitely, like, you got to share uh, some pictures when you get him. Oh, of course. Of course. I am absolutely, the minute that my aunt gets here, I'm going to just, I'm going to hug her and then I'm going to hand her my phone and be like, take pictures of the minute I meet him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to meet you, but I'm really happy to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk to you on the phone. I can't talk to pets on the phone. <laughs> I, I don't know. My mom has a cat that every time I call her, like, we'll talk for, like, maybe 30 seconds, and then in the background, this cat just screams. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I t- the cat's name is Rascal, and I always tell her, Rascal saying, say hi for me, too. Make sure he, sa- he knows I said hi as well. <laughs> I love that. Um, but she, she does that to everyone. Like anytime my mom's on the phone, like a, a few, like a minute after she's gotten onto the phone, that cat screams in the background like, <laughs> so that people know that she's there. Just got to uh, make sure that everybody knows, you know, right. got to have priorities. Humans are cool and all, but cat. <laughs> yeah. Cat's the real draw at any given time. Um, well, how well, about you, Justin? It looked like you were having some adventures this week or the past week. Yeah, so uh, took a vacation down to Florida to see my Aunt Karen, who uh, lives down there. My cousin, uh, Matthew, who uh, also lives down there. So we got to see them um, and then jaunted over uh, to St. Augustine, um, which I don't know if you've ever been to St. Augustine. St. Augustine is the oldest city in North America. I think that's correct. Certainly oldest in the United States. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, um, it's, it's just like, it's the prettiest city in Florida. I feel like, (laughs) yeah, because so much of Florida is feels new when you go there, you know, like you go to Orlando, so much of Orlando looks new, feels Mm -hmm. new and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, even Tallahassee where I was with my aunt, so much of that, you know, looks recent Mm -hmm. and everything. Uh, but like you go there and it's a lot of kind of Spanish style architecture, mission mm. style architecture nice. with some of the buildings. Um, they have a, a fort there that has traded hands between the Spanish and the British and the Americans over hundreds of years. Mm. Um, and it's just kind of a cool little small town, you know, 
it really is a small town <laughs> once you get there and start looking around. You're like, oh, this is actually pretty small, and there's a beach, but the beach isn't the real attraction visiting mm-hmm. there. It's the small downtown area. They have these old churches that are, you know, a few hundred years old and, um, you know, are, are quite beautiful at a time when we were still building architecture just to be beautiful yeah. and <laughs> not to uh, be efficient necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um and so there's, it's just kind of a neat place to go and visit. There's a pirate museum there, which is really cool. Uh, they have one of only three Jolly Roger flags to have ever flown over an actual pirate ship. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Um, and I believe it's supposed to be the largest of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, got to see that. They also have memorabilia in there from, like, movies involving pirates. So, like, they have... One of the baseball uniforms from Hook. Where, uh, I was just thinking, I was like, what do they have for Captain Hook? <laughs> um, so they have that. They have um, they have Jack Sparrow's sword or one of his swords from one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. So it's kind of neat. It has a collapsible end. Um, so, you know, like those toy knives where you like stab somebody mm-hmm. and it collapses into yeah. it. So the end of the yeah. sword does that so that he could nice. actually stab people in the movie. Nice. Um, and they had one, um, uh, Jeffrey Rush's character. What was his name? None of us know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like Barnabas or something like that. I don't know. Somebody will be mad at me because I don't remember. Uh, oh. they, they have his like uh, handgun. Barbosa. Barbosa. Yes. Yeah. There. Um, but they had that. They had some stuff from the Goonies and everything. So that all was was super cool but like even the stuff the pirate memorabilia like they had a a treasure chest that was a real treasure chest which i don't know what that means <laughs> but someone it was, actually dug it up found x on the, on the map <laughs> i don't think that but like maybe at some point pirates actually did carry stuff in this chest and so they had that where you know that was a few hundred years old you could like touch a corner of it and so like you know, all that sort of stuff is, is pretty neat. Um, and then it, it's a tourist trapped kind of town as well. So there is just the most insane amount of junk food that you can imagine. <laughs> you know, you, you have popcorn stores. You walk in, they're like, we have 100 flavors of popcorn. You, you think, how is that possible? <laughs> how does anyone want 100 flavors of popcorn, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, yeah, it's a it's a cool place to visit. Uh, St. Augustine's really beautiful. Um you know, really just a unique place to visit. And I think entirely worth your time to go and see if you're ever down there. Um, but yeah, that was a, a big part of the, the week and traveling and seeing all that. A lot of time in a car. We stopped at a Bucky's. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to a Bucky's? Do you know what a Bucky's is? It sounds vaguely familiar, like I might have seen it on a road trip, but. Yeah, I think it's kind of like a Love's. Yeah, so it is a massive gas station, basically. Um, so I think the rule is that every one of their uh, Bucky's locations has over a hundred gas pumps at it. Oh my goodness! Um, and they do not service semis, so there are no uh, gas pumps for semis. Um, but like the Bucky store is basically like a Walmart and you go inside and okay. So like they have some junk food and everything like you expect in a service station. So you can get your Cokes and stuff, 
but they have an entire wall that's like 10 times the length of this room of just every imaginable drink you've ever heard of. And then they have like a clothing section and then they have a home decorating section <laughs> and then they're gas station. They're yes. making fudge and they're making like uh, barbecue sandwiches and they're making cinnamon rolls and there's like, you can buy all of that. And um, it, it's just, it's like a a, a, sh a slightly shrunken down Walmart that you're walking into. <laughs> Dang. Um, and apparently people are like religiously fanatic about these places. <laughs> and they like started in Texas and they've kind of spread all over the South. And now they're kind of moving, I think, as far north as Kentucky. I know Kentucky has one and they're opening another one in Kentucky. And I think maybe that's as far as north as they've gotten so far. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're they're a sight to see. And they have a mascot who's a little beaver, and they have a statue of him out front, and they have somebody dressed up in him walking around. And my greatest joy of stopping at Bucky's was my 12-year-old niece, who's going to be 13 in less than a month. Um, I got to force her to have her picture made with the Bucky's mascot. With me. <laughs> she was not into it, and she's getting to that age, you know, where she doesn't want to have her picture made with people in mm -hmm. mascot outfits, mm -hmm. and she doesn't want to do goofy stuff with her uncle. But I can still make her right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was fun. But yeah, Bucky's is quite the interesting place to see. Um, what a weirdly American place, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's one of those things you feel like somebody from England is going to stop in and see a Bucky's and go into it and go, what is wrong with America? <laughs> I feel like they don't even have to go in. Like, the minute you see over 100 gas pumps, you're like, mm -hmm. who needs this? Yeah. <laughs> and then you look at the American interstates and you're like, oh, that's who. <laughs> well, here's the thing. There are, like, 100 gas pumps. They were basically all full when we stopped. That's what wow. I'm. Th that's what I mean. Like I, I'm sure that there's no time of day you can go that it's half empty. Mm. <laughs> and the one thing I did not see, which I sort of expected, was a um, an e uh, e charger. Like you didn't see anything to charge an electric mm. vehicle. Mm -hmm. oh. And I, I gotta believe they were there, and I just didn't see them mm -hmm. uh, because even if. They're not selling those people gas. They still want them to stop and buy fudge and mm -hmm. little, like, tiny Bucky dolls and stuff. Yeah. I was going to say, normally you don't see them at gas stations because charging your car takes a lot longer. But if they've got basically a Walmart, yeah. then you can totally charge your car there and go in and get all your things. Yeah, I mean, this is a replacement for stopping at Arby's to eat. <laughs> Right, yeah. like you can stop I think it goes beyond that if they've got yeah. home decor. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, that's yeah. the thing. You can get gas. You can stop, have a full meal. You can, you mm -hmm. know, yes, you can yeah. outfit your, uh, you know, your den <laughs> while you're there. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's quite the... American monstrosity. And I love it for that. I love the stupidest American things. <laughs> like there are bad things about America sometimes. And I'm sure I'll get canceled on Twitter for this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We got to celebrate the goofiness. Um, we got to celebrate what we can. But sometimes there are really great things about America. And sometimes our goofy excess is one of our great <laughs> charms. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so that was my trip, um, and I'm glad to be back doing a whole new episode of this podcast. And so let's jump right into it. Alicia, we've had a couple weeks off. What have you been playing? So I did finally get back to playing a little bit of the Pokemon Cafe Remix mm-hmm. game. I just, I still like the main game, but... Within the last six months or the last year or something, they introduced one-minute cooking mode, and that, to me, is just annoying. <laughs> you know, the normal gameplay, you get a certain number of moves per order, but you aren't on a time limit, versus the one-minute cooking mode is like, okay, you have to get the right lineup, and you... And the way that they do it, the things that you're supposed to get rid of just kind of flash constantly, mm-hmm. which is very, it's not like to the point of strobe effect, but it mm-hmm. is very upsetting to my eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm, I'm still enjoying like the main play, but a lot of the stuff now is okay. You get new, po- you get new Pokemon by doing the one minute cooking mode or by spending real world money. Mm. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> No, I'd I mean, rather not. What is it about the changes that are annoying to you? Is it that it makes it too hectic or it's making it too much like real work? I think it's a combination of like it makes it too hectic and it doesn't. So like it, it used to be. So like when Charizard was introduced into the game. Charizard showed up, and he's, like, hiding in the bush. And as you're going through the orders, the points that you earn go towards, you know, making Charizard more friendly and getting him to join your staff and all of that. Right. And you're still progressing forward in the normal orders. And now it's you have to do the points events, which are separate from the normal orders, so you aren't able to progress in both at the same time. Okay. And they're constantly doing points events that are the one-minute cooking thing. And a lot of them are like, you know, they have their easy, normal, hard ones. You know, easy, get to 500,000 points. Normal, get to 3 million. Hard, get to like 9 million or whatever it is. And you can't, you literally cannot complete the hard one if you don't spend real world money to get the special Mm. Pokemon on your staff. So they've taken what was already a mobile game and made it even more into a mobile game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, I liked this because it was chill and Mm -hmm. the, the normal orders are still chill, but the, and the one minute cooking countdown timer and, you know, with that one, it's like, okay, you get, you have to clear, you know, three cream puffs, and then it flashes you forward to the next one, you know, clear three three cream puffs and four radishes or whatever. And it's like, can, can I just, can I just play? Right. <laughs> can I not have the countdown and the, if I don't hit three million or if I don't hit, and then if you get over, you know, if you hit the 3 million within 45 seconds, then it's like, okay, you're done. Mm-hmm. 
So there's really no motivation to like keep doing it to try mm-hmm. and get a better high score because mm-hmm. you know you can't do the hard one without mm-hmm. the real world money. Right. But the normal one is easy enough when you are playing it a lot. So. Yeah, I feel like that's a point in the life cycle of a lot of mobile games that kills the mobile game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if like um, the user base drops off enough that they have to figure out a way to generate more income because they don't have enough players playing, you know, at scale mm-hmm. to like continue to increase the income from advertising or, or whatever else. So they're like, well, we have to monetize this game in some additional way. So let's create these extra hoops people have to jump through. But the outcome, at least for me, every time they do this, which sounds like what you're facing is I just lose interest in the game. Yeah. Because the the fun of it just dies right there on the vine for me. Because, like, I play mobile games as a sort of, like, you know, to fill time and as a relaxer like you're talking about. And the moment they do that, I'm like, okay, I'm out. Yeah. Like, there's other things I can do with my time. Yeah. And, like, I'm very much, you know, I I think the only mobile game I've ever spent real-world money on is Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. And that was during a summer that, you know, my family was literally, like, you know, not that, you know, we, we don't go on vacation generally just because we don't have money, but... That, that was, like, my family was, like, yep, okay, this, it was one of the special, like, the full weekend was mm-hmm. raids and community mm-hmm. day and all that. And so then we each spent, like, five bucks of real-world money to mm-hmm. get more Pokeballs yeah. and raid passes. Yeah. It was yeah. the summer of Pokemon Go? Yeah. It wasn't. It was not 2016. But <laughs> <laughs> it was your summer of Pokemon Go. <laughs> it, it was one of them, for sure. <laughs> but... Yeah, just generally the minute that I can't feel like I'm having fun in the game without spending real-world money, mm-hmm. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's completely understandable. Yeah, especially grad student. I really don't have money. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and not money that you want to waste on. Like, I hate to use that term waste, but like, you know, like on a mobile game, when you could be saving that up and buying like a full Pokemon game in mm-hmm. its place, yeah. right? Which you're going to get a lot more time and you can set and play for more extended periods. And uh, and I can restart when I want to and play through a new adventure. And Right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh-huh. anything else? Yes. Um, other than that, I've played... A lot of Power Wash Simulator. <laughs> so We were getting updates as you, like, discovered more of the story. Oh, my gosh. I literally, that, when it was like, clean the recreational vehicle again, I was like, these texts sound odd. And then I got into it. And I was like, what the heck? Um, yeah, so I, I beat the main campaign. I went and... You did have to beat the main campaign before you could play the DLC. So I beat, I finished the Midgard DLC. I actually finished the Tomb Raider DLC at like 1 a.m. this morning because I make good choices. <laughs> <laughs> I make good choices. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed it. Like that's one I could actually see myself going back and starting over and playing through the whole thing again. Yeah. And 
you know, just like the little extra bits of lore for, and I'm wondering if we're going to get a second Midgar or Final Fantasy VII DLC when Rebirth comes out. So I'm like, Reeve mentioned that he gave our number to Heidegger and to Hojo, mm-hmm. but Hojo oh. never called us. <laughs> so I'm like, are we going to get Hojo later? Are we getting a second DLC for this? Because mm-hmm. that would make me happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was really funny playing the Tomb Raider one because I've never played Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. I've never seen any of the movies. I've never played any of the games. I've never done anything with that. So like I get to, I do the first one and it's like Clean Croft Manor and I look and I'm like, is she Batman? <laughs> 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 and then you get to the last one where you're cleaning her treasure room and she's got the giant T Rex and I'm like, yep, she's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Batcave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess she kind of is Batman. <laughs> Never really thought of it that way, but yeah, she shares quite a bit with Batman. <laughs> I'm like, this house is too big. It's definitely Wayne Manor. <laughs> and I'm like, you even got the dinosaur in the in the cave? Yeah. She's Batman. <laughs> You've got Winston messaging you at first, and I'm like, this sounds like Alfred. <laughs> yeah, those, um, those reboot uh, Tomb Raider games, I think you might really like those, uh, particularly the first two. Shadow, the third one, isn't great. It's not a terrible game, but those first two are, are really good and really quite a bit of fun. Um, so you should check those out sometime since you've never played Tomb Raider before. <laughs> yeah. I know, like I feel like we've talked about them before and like it's such mm-hmm. a staple that it's one of those that I'm like why haven't I played it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, money. Yeah. But I should <laughs> at some point. <laughs> It's also a, a time issue sometimes. Like, there's mm-hmm. franchises I feel like I've never really touched just because I just didn't have the time. Yeah. Like, I mean, money as well often, but, like, That's just... kind of how I've always been with Zelda is, like, just the time and the, the, the multiple timelines and trying to understand what's going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think Zelda is best enjoyed just ignoring the timeline. Like... It doesn't really matter. Ignore the timeline and just accept it that each new Zelda is like a Final Fantasy, right? Each new Final Fantasy is an entirely new world that shares some elements. That's the way I've always enjoyed Zelda games. There we go. At one point, you should do a deep dive into Zelda and just read it, read everything about it, and then pull back and don't care about it. (laughs) There we go. I have a friend who sometimes will send me these lore videos of Zelda and it's these people who watch, like, the trailer for Tears of the Kingdom mm-hmm. before it comes out, and they're like, did you see that symbol on the wall behind <laughs> them in this one scene? Yeah. That is obviously referencing this thing that happened in Wind Waker. And yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, and see, like, I love that kind of stuff. I mean, I think... I think the reason I got into like Undertale and Deltarune was watching iceberg videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not because I actually started off with the game. I started off with people who were explaining all the deep lore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's the sort of series you can get as much into the lore as you want to or ignore yeah. it as mm-hmm. much as you want yeah. to, really. Yeah. Um, so that's always fun because it allows people to experience it differently, right? Like mm-hmm. how they want to. So. All right, so thumb, big thumbs up to Power Wash Simulator, it sounds like. Big thumbs up. Two thumbs up. I am, um, you know, what did they say? They're doing a SpongeBob DLC next. Did they? I thought I saw that somewhere. 
Wow. They're doing okay. a SpongeBob DLC. I and think. I do not care for SpongeBob at all. But I will still play that DLC because I just <laughs> enjoy this game so much. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, OJ, what have oh. you been playing? So uh, I, I wish I had been playing Tears of the Kingdom, but unfortunately I don't have enough money until June to to buy it. So I but I have been I have been seeing stuff about it and I'm very excited. I saw a TikTok yesterday and apparently you can make a skateboard. Uh so uh and someone told me that like my biggest problem with Breath of the Wild was the like weapon system and someone told me that it's a lot better um because with the fusing and stuff like that. And I'm sure someone else will be able to talk more about that, but so I in June I'll be playing that. Uh so until then, I've just been going back to, speaking of Pokemon Go, um, I hadn't been playing for a while, and I went back to it uh, last weekend. There was a Fennekin Community Day, uh, and they added a Master Ball. So um, it looks like they're they're probably going to have, like, maybe one or two a year, maybe, that you can get through different quests. That makes and sense. Stuff. Uh, and they released it the day after. So the Adventure Incense, that's 15... Ad- 15 minutes a day that that everyone can do has a chance of spawning the three birds, mm-hmm. right? And so the day before they released the Master Ball, I had one of the birds spawn uh, and didn't get it because it's like a 0.1% chance to, to catch it. And so and it runs after like one, one ball. So I didn't get it, and then they released the Master Ball. So hopefully next time I see one of the birds, I'll be able to, to get one of them. I'm hope, I, I think Articuno is the purple one. So I'd, hopefully I get that one because I, I do love purple. Um, and they, they've, they've been doing a lot of stuff in Pokemon Go. So there's there's chaos crystals now. So when you defeat... Uh, chaos. Yeah. Say, OJ, how could you say that word so boringly? <laughs> they're, they're actually shadow crystals, so I inserted chaos into there already. <laughs> but yeah, so you, when you defeat the grunts and, and the uh, bosses, you'll get uh, the shadow crystals. And then there's going to be shadow raids that you need to use the crystals on. So you need four of the crystals to put together into a big one. And then during a raid, uh, it's kind of like the Pokemon will enrage and you Mm -hmm. won't be able to beat them unless you're using the shadow. uh, Yeah, shadow uh, crystals. Uh, I haven't done one yet, though, but uh, I'll probably be doing one today a little bit later. Um, And when, when, when you were talking about DLC, or not DLC, but like the mobile games charging stuff... I think Pokemon Go has done something that's kind of smart is they keep on having quests like the community days. Like it'll be a 99 cent quest and then you go through the different levels and you don't really get anything super big, um, but you'll get something like you'll get a lucky egg or something. And it's generally doing that quest is cheaper than if you were to buy one normally. Right. Yeah. Um, and then they, they have quests that you can buy for like five ninety nine for different wardrobe items, which like, I, that's not a big thing for me, so I'm not spending it, but I know some people are right. Um, and then the, they had the remote raid passes, uh, that were really good over the pandemic, but recently they, they increased the price of them. So they're not as, uh, as like a couple dollars for each raid that you would want to do and it's not worth spending that that amount of money mm-hmm. uh if you're in gyms daily and getting the 50 coins per day it's not that bad but if you're spending regular money it's just not worth it um but from those when before the price went up like i have friends now that i've never met for anything other than this 
but I did remote raids in like uh, Japan and China. Um, I think there was one in India. And so, and so I have friends from all these different places that are sending me gifts, which give different postcards, mm-hmm. which then allows me to get the different uh, forms of Virilian. So that's nice. Um, Do you mean you have friends within the game or like real world friends? They're real world friends who send gifts with a postcard attached. And for the, um, for the, the Virilian, there's different types of the butterfly and they're region locked. And so like we're here, we're urban. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like Wisconsin and up is polar. Um, then there's, there's like 10 different areas, I think. And each of them spawns a different butterfly. Um, and some of them are only in Japan. Some of them are only in like New Zealand, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really, so getting those postcards is allowing me to get butterflies I wouldn't normally be able to get. Um, and that was from doing, being able to do the remote raids because there's a system online where you could set up to do remote raids with people for in other places. That's really cool because mm-hmm. I mean, via being a college student and a grad student, mm-hmm. like you've met people from all over mm-hmm. the world through that yeah. and, you know, probably other ways in life as well, but particularly mm-hmm. probably through college. Um, so that's really cool that when people go back to their home country or something mm-hmm. like they now have this way to engage and yeah. it, it, the game is actively encouraging that. Mm-hmm. Right, right that cooperation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, so postcards from here are kind of um, special because we, there's a, it's, it's kind of a large area of the U.S., but it's the only region that is like that. All of the other ones, there's multiple different places that have each region, but like the place where we're at is the only one that's urban. Mm. Right. Is it urban? I can't remember. Modern. Modern, not urban. Yeah. And, um, so, like, a lot of people are really excited to get stuff from people who live here because um, it's the only place they can get them. Oh, well, that's pretty neat. Um, aside from that, I've been watching Buffy, uh, the Vampire Slayer. I think I talked about this last time. Uh, and then playing just mobile games while I'm uh, watching Buffy. Where are you in Buffy? So, I'm now in season seven. And so, normally what will happen is I'll just watch the show and then I'll stop. But I, because I bought season eight and season nine comics. Mm. Um, And I I didn't even realize I still had access to them because I bought them like a really long time ago. Uh, But I do. So I'm going to go through those again uh, and go through and go all the way through the comics as through all of them as much as I can. What do you think going back and rewatching season seven now? (laughs) Like, how do you feel about it now? I mean, I, I guess I don't know how you felt about it originally, uh, but, like, I feel like most fans were disappointed, maybe, mm-hmm. in Season 7 originally. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about mm-hmm. it watching it now? So I th- I think that where the disappointment comes in for Season 7, uh, and it always is, is that uh, Season 6 in the Dark Willow story arc was so good and then season seven comes in, and it's really, really slow through most of it. Um, and it's just like, oh, we have to make – every enemy has to get bigger and bigger and worse. And now, oh, look, it's the first evil, and it's like you can't touch it. You can't destroy it. You can't do anything with it. And it can be anybody who's dead. Like, And and I, I don't know, it seems a little bit like jumping the shark to, to me to have oh, the first evil. Because the first evil was briefly mentioned uh, in a much earlier season – Right, and then it then didn't touch it at all until it came to this. 
Um, and the Dark Willow story arc is my absolute favorite part. Uh, it's only a few episodes, but it's it's just really good, I think. Uh, even though it's very problematic, and I've written papers about how problematic how problematic it is. But um, it's it's my favorite part. And then the the season with Glory is really great, too. I really like Glory as a villain. I know that's an unpopular opinion, but I think Glory is a really great villain. Um, and then, so coming after this, and Dark Willow and Glory, it's just kind of a mess season. Yeah. And then I don't know if you know much about season eight and nine and through the comics, but they really, like, they really take advantage of not being filmed and just being a comic because things get much bigger and, and fantastical in the in those. Yeah, I've never read those. Uh, I've always wanted to, but, like, that was basically what I had remembered hearing at mm -hmm. the time was that it got much more kind of into the fantastical <clears throat> elements yeah. than the show did. Because, like, they're, they're in a castle in Scotland, <laughs> and... And so that's like where the home base is set up, mm. uh, and then like Dawn is a giant, at least at the beginning. Oh, and it's it's so uh, <clears throat> my thing with Dawn is uh, I, Glory is my favorite villain, but I honestly think they could have made the key an actual key on Buffy's keychain, and it would have been a better storyline. Because Dawn is just horrible. I cannot stand Dawn. Oh, poor Dawn. <laughs> I just and every time I watch it, it's worse. I just have to sit through dawn and like, Oh, let me make everything about me. Oh, <laughs> someone else died. It's about me. Like, Oh no, there's a, <laughs> the first evil wants to kill the world, but oh, I'm going to make it all about me. It's like, come on. Like I've, uh, I've never, like I work with teenagers a lot and I've never met a teenager as horrible as dawn. They took the <laughs> worst part of every teenager in the world and put that into dawn. That's my, but tell us how you really feel. <laughs> well, uh, I just love listening. To, I'm, having never watched Buffy, just listening to this and, try, and being like, "Okay, so okay, so yeah, here's yeah. A, here's a quick thing. Here's a, here's here's what happens with that. Okay, so Buffy's a vampire slayer. She's an only what? child. <laughs> She's a vampire slayer. Yeah. I like that you just explained the title. Yeah. <laughs> She's <laughs> never okay. would have guessed yeah, that. Okay, so she's an only child up until season five, and then her sister shows up at the begin at the beginning of the episode, the first episode of the season, and you're like, what? Like they never address this at all, and then throughout the season, and everybody in the show remembers her, right? And everyone has memories and talks about memories of her. And it's like when it first started, it was like, what, like, did they really just introduce a character like we haven't seen them? But then through the storyline, what you find out is that she was uh, a bundle of mystical energy called a key. And there were monks that were protecting it from glory, who is like a uh, hell god, essentially. And in order to make sure that Buffy would protect the key, they made the key into her sister and gave everyone all of these memories. Um, right. Yeah. Which stupid Stupid storyline right there, in my opinion. But she's just the worst. She's horrible. <laughs> like I, <sighs> on a, on a scale of one to Strangers of Paradise. <laughs> like I would rather play Stranger of Paradise for the rest of my life and never play anything else than than sit through Dawn one more time. Really, if we're being honest. Dang. And <laughs> she's and and don't get me wrong, Michelle Trachtenberg, the actress who plays Dawn, is fantastic. But the character of Dawn is just so horrible. She's Harriet the Spy. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, well, I'm going to defend Don here ever so slightly and say that the retconning <laughs> of, of Don mm-hmm. as Buffy's little sister is really clever in the way that they handle it in the show mm-hmm. because it's the sort of thing that gets done in TV shows all the time. <laughs> but in the case of Buffy, they actually mm-hmm. have an explanation and mm-hmm. a reason. And like, they actually bother to like explain why they're mm-hmm. doing this retcon instead of just like, Oh, we, you, we just <laughs> never mentioned this before. Yeah. It just, it just happened. Like, I mean, think about how many TV shows where mm-hmm. there is a sibling who just disappears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like family matters. There's a sibling that goes up the stairs and just never comes yeah. down again. <laughs> Um, so I do like that mm-hmm. cleverness. She is mm-hmm. an annoying character. Yeah. Like, and they lean into that, I think, very heavily. Mm-hmm. For all you listening, I wish you could have seen the cross-arm look that OJ <laughs> gave Justin the moment that he said, I'm going to defend Dawn for a second here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am defending the concept, not necessarily the execution. So it was clever. I'll say that. When it was originally airing, though, I was... I was just about done until they started showing that it was really like that they were going to explain it. Um, That they knew they were doing something out of left field. Yeah. And so, but yeah, like it's clever. I will, I will agree with that, but they didn't have to make her such a bad character, such an annoying character. No, I mean, I get that. Like, I, I do remember the joy of watching that originally and people just flipping out. Yeah. I mean, it was mm-hmm. early in the internet era, right? Like right. this was been, what, 2001 or so, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. And people were literally just flipping out mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were like, wait, did I miss an episode? What happened? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so here, <laughs> uh, here's my here's my big thing, too, with, with that season. Like I said, Glory's my favorite villain. But so... And sorry, this is spoilers for a TV show from the 90s and early 2000s. But so um, eventually Glory gets Dawn and she's on like the top of a tower and she has to bleed. And her blood opens a portal between like all of the hell dimensions and Earth. Um, And it just it'll be horrible. And everyone like apocalypse, everyone will die. Right. Yeah. And then. The so her. Dawn's death is what they say ha- is what has to happen to stop that portal once it starts. So it starts, but then Buffy realizes that because Dawn is made out of her as her sister, they have the same blood. So Buffy's death will end up stopping the portal as well. So Buffy goes and jumps in the portal and dies. Which uh, she comes back next season. Yeah, I but, figured. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so like. If they had done something else, because Buffy dying is really integral to the next season. Like, mm-hmm. the, the whole season is about that. Because when they bring her back, they end up bringing her back from heaven. Uh, and they thought she was, like, in the hell dimension, but she wasn't. She was in heaven. And so it's she got ripped out of heaven back to Earth where all of the horrible stuff is happening. Kind mm-hmm. right. uh, of like when early seasons of Supernatural, when mm-hmm. Sam or Dean would die, it would actually have an impact. Yeah, yeah. Um and so, but so it it made sense that it happened like that. But still, like they could have just pushed on in the portal. Like <laughs> honestly, like, but they made her so attached to her little sister that she died instead of her. Even though that was her entire purpose was was dying to close that portal. 
Um, so sorry, I went on a huge Don rant. <laughs> I apologize, <laughs> listeners, for you having to listen to this. My one other rant, though, something I'm very salty about is that so so Tara... You weren't salty about this? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm salty about this. It's something I'm very, very, very salty about. Tara was introduced in season five, and she goes through, and she dies at the end of season six. Uh, and that's what sets Willow to becoming Dark Willow, right? Oh, Tara's introduced in season four when they're in college. Oh yeah, season four. I'm sorry, I think it was five. Yeah, four. Um, and so, so Tara is there throughout all of season four and season five, and then in season six, she dies at the end. But the only time they put her in the credits is the episode where she dies. Because like they say, Anne Tara Benson or Anne Amber Benson as Tara at the end, but she doesn't have her own little like thing where it shows scenes of her. Yeah. But then the scene where the the episode where she dies, she she was gone and she came back and they put her in the credits. Like oh, finally she's gonna be here for the the like as a main character again. No. And then then she has her own little thing and then they kill her. And again, her her death was very important. Yeah. And it was the saddest death. And, I'll and, say that's one I know about even. Right. Like, <clears throat> as an outsider. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Tara and Willow and their relationship was fantastic. It's amazing LGBTQ representation uh, in TV uh, because it showed a, and a relationship from beginning to end and, like, a full relationship. But, okay, that, sorry, that made me salty. Now I'm done with the Buffy talk. I apologize. <laughs> well, and particularly we should know at the time it was showing it, there was nothing like that on TV. Nothing at all, yeah. So this was late 90s, early 2000s. So it was really groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't yeah. the first, mm -hmm. it wasn't the first like uh, homosexual relationship mm -hmm. shown on TV, but for main characters over a time period mm -hmm. to yeah. be depicted, it really was groundbreaking right. in mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah, I, you know, Joss Whedon does that sort of stuff mm -hmm. uh, of like, Hey, I'm going to introduce this character and then like kill them off <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to make them seem like a main character. He does mm -hmm. that in angel, mm -hmm. like forewarning. If you ever watch <laughs> angel, there is a main character that gets killed off. Like, mm -hmm. and he had planned that from the beginning. Apparently he, he wanted to do that on Buffy. Mm -hmm. He wanted to have a main character on that show that would get killed off. Mm -hmm. And apparently people warned him, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. People will be mad. So he did it finally on Angel, and uh -huh. people got very mad. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, so they were right. <laughs> um, you know, and Joss Whedon was apparently wrong about a lot of stuff in his life that yeah, he yeah. would go on to do. Um, so, you know, that's certainly not no defense of him. Mm -hmm. But, um, yes, this has been the Buffy cast. <laughs> We are going through episode by episode, discussing every episode of Buffy <laughs> as so, we introduce Alicia <laughs> for the first time. So to bring this back to video games, there has not been a good Buffy video game, and I wish there has been. So well, those Xbox, one of those Xbox games is pretty good. It was at the time. Yeah. Okay. But it, it wasn't good. It was okay. In my opinion. So. I would say it was pretty good for its time, but, okay. like, I, I don't think it holds up today. Okay. Definitely. It's fair. I can agree with that, yeah. Uh, so someone out there make Buffy video games and make them good. Seems like one of those franchises you can make a game now and, like, put a little bit of money into, get the voice actors back mm -hmm. to do the voices mm -hmm. and really make something kind of fun. But, you know, it has the same problem that, 
Highlander had, which is that mm. you have these immortal characters yeah. Yeah. that <laughs> very quickly like start to age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know like, um, what's his name? Uh, James, James Mars. Yeah. Who plays Spike. He uh, has said that in interviews because people will be like, would you ever go back and do Buffy again? And he's like, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. said, they're going to have to do a lot of makeup and de-aging special <laughs> effects. I mean, he still looks like, you know, he still looks good for his age, yeah. but he definitely has aged. Yeah. Although if you look at Sarah Michelle Gellar in uh, Wolfpack, she still looks about the same age. So they did a lot with that. Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> so maybe they could do it for him. <laughs> maybe Sarah Michelle Gellar just ages better than some people. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good show. So Alicia, you've never watched Buffy. You should watch it at some point. You will suffer through the first season, <laughs> but it's worth it. It gets much better in the second season. Yeah. And, and the second season still is a little rough, but th- season three, season four, it gets really, really good. Yeah. Season two is what made me fall in love with that mm-hmm. show. Season one didn't, but season yeah. two, there mm-hmm. are episodes that made me fall in love with that show. Yeah. And, um, and I'm very happy I watched mm-hmm. it. Um, all right. So we've talked enough about Buffy. <laughs> Maybe for the next six months. <laughs> in six months, we'll check back in with OJ. He can fill us in. Um, all right. So let's talk. Oh, well, have I haven't talked. playing, Justin? Yeah, yeah. I haven't even talked about that. Uh, I have been playing Tears of the Kingdom. Um, have you tortured the Koroks? Um, no. no I, I have <laughs> That's not. all I've seen online is people torturing the Koroks. Have you seen the one where they crucified one? No. <laughs> Yeah, because oh. you can build contraptions and stuff. So somebody built a giant cross and put a, a Korok oh on it. Gosh. Oh my gosh! It no. was like one of the first things I ever saw somebody do oh, with no. this game. Um, and I was like, of course, of course, that was the first thought that came into somebody's mind. Um, yeah. So I, as said earlier, I've been traveling, so I haven't played nearly as much as I would like. Um, so I'm just a few hours in. Um, OJ talked about the weapon system and people saying that the weapon system feels better. I will say that one of my big complaints about Breath of the Wild was the weapon system. Mm-hmm. Um, I understood from a design standpoint why they made it what they did, but I also found it frustrating mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the weapon system in this addresses that as without completely uh, stripping that system out, Mm -hmm. right? So there's still weapon degradation, weapons still break and everything, but because they add in the the fuse ability where you can like combine different items and make new weapons and everything, it it keeps it fresh, it makes it fun in a way that I felt like it wasn't fun in the last game. Mm-hmm. Mm, um, yeah. So without completely stripping that out, I feel like they've addressed it in the best possible way that they could. Mm-hmm. If that ruined the experience for you last time, I don't know if this is enough to fix that for mm-hmm. you. But for me, it's at least um, mitigated it mm-hmm. quite a bit, um, at least in my eyes. So... Yeah. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom is a really interesting game. It feels like this is the game they want it to make with Breath of the Wild. Mm. And I don't mean that as a 
a negative comment about Breath of the Wild. I mean, it. this feels like the natural evolution of that idea. And so they've taken that base game. They've bolted on these additional systems. I feel like they've more streamlined the story. So they start off with a, a great introductory story element that feels very like ripped from the mummy. <laughs> um <laughs> So the Brandon Fraser mummy, by the way, not the Tom Cruise, like, insane mummy. <laughs> uh, but it feels very much kind of ripped from that. And then it is just, like, playing this game, you just are reminded that Nintendo makes games better than just about anyone else does. Mm. Like, they make the the actual act of playing a game more fun than just about anyone else does. Mm-hmm. And so every time somebody criticizes a you know, a Kirby or a Zelda or a Pokemon or a Mario for, you know, feeling old or feeling um, like the graphics haven't, aren't up to Mm -hmm. modern, you know, standards and that sort of thing. This is one of those reminders that you go back and you play and you go, yeah, but this still feels better Mm -hmm. than just about anything else out there. Yeah. you know, there's very few games that I can point out and go, okay, this feels comparable. It doesn't feel, um, it doesn't feel more cumbersome than mm-hmm. Zelda does because okay. there's all these systems and everything, and that could get really cumbersome. I feel like for the most part, it works. It's very streamlined. There are times that you know the building mechanics where you're uh, building rafts and different mm-hmm. things. Sometimes that can be a little bit more cumbersome. I feel like than is ideal. Um, but overall, this is a fantastic, it's a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, this feels like, and I think partly because of the time of the year it's releasing, uh, here in the first half of the year, it feels like this year's Elden Ring, mm-hmm. you know, and Elden Ring was obviously, I think, heavily inspired by, uh, Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. um, you know, and d- coming up with new approaches for developing these sorts of games, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot I don't want to talk about because I don't want to spoil. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go into, like, specific details. Um, you know, the the Sky Islands are, are really neat, um, and it feels like something substantial added to the game. I obviously mm-hmm. have just barely begun to scratch exploring that. Mm-hmm. And then when you get down to Hyrule, that all feels very, like, new and fresh. Um, And I think part of the concern going into it was, well, they're just reusing the same map that they had in the last game, but they do some clever things to make that feel fresh. Mm -hmm. There are, um, there are classic sort of dungeons in this. Mm -hmm. um, And they feel very Mm Zelda-y, like classic Zelda-y sort of dungeons, but with the mechanics of Breath of the Wild kind of latched on top of that, mm-hmm. so it allows you to sort of break the way that you play those dungeons. So it's like playing a classic Zelda dungeon, mm-hmm. but like you don't have to play it by the traditional rules. You can mm-hmm. kind of break it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the climbing element allows that, I know, in one of the dungeons. Um, so yeah, this it's a very, very good game. Um, I, I feel like there's not a whole lot I can say without maybe spoiling the early moments of it. And there's not a whole lot I can say because I'm just not that far into it. And mm-hmm. so um, now that I'm back in town, I, I'll have some more time to just sit and play it. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my goals. 
Uh, so that's really all I've been playing because I haven't really had time to play anything else. Um, let's get into the news. Um, and we have actually quite a bit of news. We mentioned earlier the PlayStation Showcase. We have a few things to talk about before we get into that. Um, AEW Fight Forever, the wrestling game, the competitor to the WWE big stalwart wrestling game, uh, has been given an official release date. Uh, this game was rumored to come out last fall. It obviously did not. It is finally coming out June 29th. They released that along with a new trailer. That game looks fine. I, I think people who really expected it to blow away the WWE games had way out-of-line expectations. <laughs> I feel like they've been very careful to try to keep expectations in check and be like, hey, this is us making a very low-budget wrestling game, mm-hmm. uh, and we're trying to make it very much in the style of those classic N64 games. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays plays out. Um, I think there is room for a wrestling game that's very pick up and play. Mm-hmm. And the current WWE game is not that. So if they can achieve that, I, I think there is a desire among mm-hmm. uh, a lot of what I would say, even like casual wrestling fans, people who aren't watching every week, but you know, watched it as a kid or something would mm-hmm. like to come back and play one of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Kotaku is reporting that Ubisoft's open-world Star Wars game may launch early 2024 as Ubisoft is in desperate need of a hit. Mm-hmm. So they're really trying to get that game out. Um, a, a home developer in Las Vegas has been naming streets after Pokemon. Um, so they've done Jigglypuff, Snorlax, Squirtle, Charmander and Charizard so far. I will say this is Bulbasaur Erasure. <laughs> the fact that we have two from the Charmander mm-hmm. line and nothing from the Bulbasaur line. But <laughs> that said, I would absolutely live on like Squirtle Street or something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> I would move there for the sole purpose of that being my address. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah, I'm surprised we haven't had Pikachu mm-hmm. yet. Um, maybe they're saving that. Maybe save that for when you when you get the whole gated community. Then it's the Pikachu community (laughs) area, (laughs) right? Uh, No, it's and it's even funnier too. Looking at this now, like I think I sent this to you guys. Did you know gaming just released a two-hour video of a because when Pokemon first came out, there was not an official Russian release, Mm -hmm. and so. This dad wrote a Russian version of the Pokédex, and like it's very satirical, but also very loving, because <laughs> he's like, "Oh yeah, like I did this so my daughter can, you know, know know the game that she's playing and know mm-hmm. what these Pokemon are." But then like, there's all these um, Squirtle, the Squirtle line are all criminals. Like <laughs> it is. It is hilarious, and I highly recommend. I'm, I think, a, like 40 minutes into it right now, and it's just incredible the world building that this mm-hmm. man did for <laughs> Pokemon. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know. Like, with that, I'm like, do we want to live on Squirtle Street? <laughs> do we want the War Turtles to come through? And <laughs> 
I feel like Snorlax Lane would be the worst of these to live on. <laughs> I just feel like Snorlax sounds kind of bad. That's Your road's going to be blocked all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say you have to get the pokey flute. <laughs> I don't know, but J- Jigglypuff Circle, can you, can you imagine, like, anytime you go to bed at night, you're never sure if you're going to wake up with marker <laughs> on your face. Yeah. <laughs> at least Jigglypuff is fun to say. Mm-hmm. True. Imagine you're telling somebody your address. You're ordering a pizza for the first time. <laughs> Where do you live? Jigglypuff Lane. <laughs> um, then you have the to special, spell it. Put, <laughs> put it in the special notes on the delivery. <laughs> Bring Pokey Flute to wake up Snorlax. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be a very good joke. If <laughs> anyone at the pizza place got it, that would be a very fun joke. <laughs> Otherwise, they're going to be like, this person's out of their mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. The PlayStation VR 2 has been reported to have sold 600,000 units in their first six weeks. That's 8% ahead of the original PlayStation VR. So, you know, we've talked on here before that PlayStation VR 2 is a big disaster. I guess this is proof that maybe it's not that big of a disaster. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's doing slightly better. It's certainly much more expensive than PlayStation VR and Mm -hmm. uh, outselling it through the first six weeks. Um, And we should note as well that those first six weeks was without it being in stores. That was when you were having to order it directly from Sony. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe PlayStation VR 2 is doing better than we think. Mm. I'm shocked if it is, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, given the price point and everything, but you know that's still um, good for Sony. Let's see, uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Speaking of doing well, uh, so ten million copies in its first three days of release. Um, this, these are incredible numbers. Ten yeah. million copies. Mm-hmm. Um, there are big blockbuster releases that we talk about that don't sell ten million copies in their entire run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, on the one hand, I'm sh- I'm just like blown away by that number. On the other hand, I'm like, yeah, that checks out. Because mm-hmm. I feel like Breath of the Wild main- has maintained such a legacy from being mm-hmm. really, I think, the first game on the Switch that I saw a lot of people care about. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a launch game. It, it yeah. was a launch game. And the fact that it has maintained such a strong legacy and people have still been excited for the sequel all the, this in enti- the entire mm-hmm. you know what six years mm-hmm. or whatever it's been and so like it's like it's kind of like how you know we talked about when scarlet and violet came out and the numbers that that, that those games had mm-hmm. it's like those are big numbers and yeah i'm not surprised that this is the game that's pulling mm-hmm. in those numbers yeah yeah i mean i think you know, we, we talk about Nintendo games and we talk about how many on the last episode, how many switches they have sold. And it's the third best selling system in history now. Um, and, you know, over six years into its lifespan, you know, I think we're coming up on seven years or so. Like we're um, they're still selling 10 million copies of games at launch. And you wonder why is Nintendo not in a big hurry to release a switch too? this is why. Right, if they release a Switch too, how long until they can get these sorts of launch numbers from the software? And you know, like it's important to understand, video game companies make their money from software. 
Yeah. Right? It's not the hardware that really makes the money. Now, Nintendo does make a little bit of money on each Switch that they sell, but, you know, they make far more money off of selling software. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of incredible because at this point in the lifespan of a game system, this is usually when systems would be sort of... Uh, you know, sort of turning it down and you'd start to see cells falling off and that doesn't seem to be happening with the Switch. Um, we've got some more details on Mortal Kombat 1. Um, this, we talked about, there was a little bit of a tease out there last episode, so they've now fully announced this. This is a complete reboot of the franchise. So it's not a remake of Mortal Kombat 1, it's a complete reboot of the franchise mm-hmm though still in the story continuity of the previous 12 Mortal Kombat, or 11 Mortal Kombat games, excuse me. Um, So the way that Mortal Kombat 11 ended, the whole universe sort of got rebooted. This is picking that up. It appears that it's going to restart, and it's going to play with, um, you know, some of that mythology that we're uh, all familiar with of those games. Mm -hmm. They have said that there will be a bigger reveal coming up, um, at um, um, the Summer Game Fest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's about all that we know at this time. So, and the the, the trailer release, so I think last time I said that I, I thought they, they would switch Sub-Zero and uh, Scorpion and make one of them, or like switch that so Scorpion was good and Sub-Zero was evil, mm-hmm. but it looked like they're going to be friends now. Yeah. So I, I was like, oh, huh. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a full switch. They did a um, friendship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it actually it looked really good uh, to me as I was watching it. So um, and there was a apparently a leak of the DLC characters too. Did you see that? No, I did not. Okay, so it it there was a leak in the first combat pack DLC characters. There's going to be Quan Chi, Omni Man, Air Mac, Peacemaker. Takeda and Homelander. Okay, I did hear about Peacemaker and Homelander. Yeah. Somebody mm-hmm. talking about that. Yeah, and then a, a Jean-Claude Van Damme skin, apparently, as well. Um, yeah, so fun trivia for those who don't know. Uh, the original Mortal Kombat started out as a Jean-Claude Van Damme game. Yep. Um, <laughs> and they did not actually do that deal, so they made an entirely new game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so I guess they're okay, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Finally getting him into the game. <laughs> that's pretty neat. That's yeah. a great full circle mm-hmm. moment for a new Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. one. <laughs> uh, let's see other news. PlayStation is apparently using Bungie to quote rigorously vet unquote upcoming live service games. So we talked about when they bought Bungie, what was the reason to buy Bungie? Obviously, um, Destiny is part of that, uh, and we'll talk more in a few minutes here about other reasons they might have <laughs> bought them. But obviously that was part of it, but part of it was that they were experts on building these live service games thanks to all the experience they have with Destiny. Mm-hmm. So as PlayStation moves more into developing these sort of live service games, apparently they're using Bungie's expertise to help them uh, go in and, like they use the term rigorously vet, but, you know, figure out what's working, what's not working, what are the pitfalls they might be falling into so they can launch these games in more of a sort of final state 
Um, you know, and they won't have the traditional stumbles that live service games are famous for. Um, so if you're interested in any of these live service games, I guess that's good news. Um, Alicia, you'll be interested. The Lord of the Rings Gollum, the new game, is the worst reviewed game of the year. <laughs> Want to see my shocked face? <laughs> <laughs> this puts it at number 295 of games released this year in 2023 with a score ranging between 38 and 43 on Metacritic, depending on which system uh, it's for. So, yeah. yeah. I I think I said before, like, I would love to be excited about a game like this, but I'm just, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> this game never looked good. It never looked good. It, you know, of all the characters, why Gollum? You know, I, I, I absolutely understand the appeal of, like, let's do more... Lord of the Rings things that, you know, even just aren't straight adaptations of the original trilogy or of The Hobbit. But, like, there are so many characters that have not been given their due in the in Middle-earth. Like, give me a Glorfindel game. That's what I want. I don't want to <laughs> play as Gollum. I want Glorfindel. Do you... He's one of those characters who is always cut from every adaptation. And I understand why, because when you can trim down on the number of elves in Rivendell, you know, or you can give Arwen a bigger part to, and have her be the one to bring Frodo into Rivendell and command the river and all that, I get it. You don't have time for every character. But a video game, give me those other characters who are so left out all the time, <laughs> rather than giving me another freaking Thing. Andy Circus was amazing as Gollum. We don't need a whole Gollum game. I think we talked about this earlier, but yeah. do, you, do you think it's just that if you ask the average person on the street, was, who's a Lord of the Rings character? Oh, absolutely. Gollum is the one that most people can name. Absolutely. And I, and like, I get that, but I also think that Lord of the Rings itself is a big enough name that you could put Lord of the Rings Glorfindel and people would be like, ooh, new character mm -hmm. and yeah. not realize that it's actually a character Tolkien created. And I think that would draw more people in than saying Lord of the Rings Gollum where we're mm -hmm. all like, okay, <laughs> that's neat, I guess. <laughs> you know, yeah. I I definitely get the, the name recognition of going with it, but I, I don't think that I, I don't think that Lord of the Rings is something that doesn't have enough name recognition on its own, you know? Right. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I definitely would get you wouldn't want to just title the game Glorfindel. Like, they, you would have a lot of people who wouldn't know, but you could say Lord of the Rings, Glorfindel, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, I think just the name Lord of the Rings carries a, a lot of weight. Yeah, mm -hmm. like that right. is enough for people to know whether or not they're interested. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure. Um, all right. That does it for all of our news uh, outside of the PlayStation Showcase. So as we are recording this on Thursday, um, yesterday was the PlayStation Showcase. This is sort of kicking off the E3 season. So instead of being part of Summer Game Fest or 
any other event this summer. PlayStation decided to go early, do their own event. Um, this event was over an hour in length, um, and they showed off a ton of different games in sort of classic Sony style, which was just trailer after trailer after trailer <laughs> after trailer. There was no developers being interviewed or any of that sort of stuff that you know Microsoft is famous for doing. Um, there was no like cute little introductions like Nintendo does with uh, their Nintendo Directs. Uh, this was just trailer after trailer after trailer. Uh, so we're going to talk about some of these games. Um, they showed off the first extensive footage of Spider-Man 2. Um, this looks like a, a new Spider-Man game. Mm-hmm. If you like Spider-Man or Spider-Man Miles Morales, this looks like more of that. Um, they did show off some like pretty cool like kind of set pieces. There was one where you were chasing... Uh, well, I guess I should note, it does show you switching back and forth between Spider-Man and Miles Morales. Um, I guess Peter I just, Parker and yeah, Miles. Pe- yeah, it does show you, like, switching back and forth between the two of them. So, like, uh, Peter will be handling one thing, and then Miles will be handling something else, and you'll have to s- kind of switch back and forth between them. This doesn't seem like you're going to have to be juggling this. It seems more kind of like a scripted moments you'll switch between mm-hmm. the characters. Um, one of the cool set pieces, though, had you chasing um, chasing uh, people on jet skis, and so you're like kind of swinging from cranes and everything over the, um, the East River, I guess it is, and um, you are... Uh, jumping onto the jet ski and knocking the guys off. And then uh, a boat catches on fire and Miles has to go help with the boat. And then uh, Peter has to go after the criminals and everything. And he has the symbiote suit from uh, Venom. And so all of that's going on. He has new abilities and everything. It looks like what you expect from Sony, a big triple A single player blowout game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very excited for this game. I, I really like the original Spider-Man. I really like Miles Morales. I think Miles Morales is actually a better game than uh, the original Spider-Man because it cuts out a lot of the like kind of um, busy work, mm-hmm. open world busy work that the original Spider-Man game had. Um, so I'm really excited if they learned their lesson from Miles Morales and make this game more streamlined Mm -hmm. and more focused on the action and the set pieces and all of that and less focused on, you know, collecting this thing that got left on the top of a building and having to run over to this building and collect something, which is, you know, interesting the first couple of times you do it and very quickly gets boring. Yeah, this is one of those I'm like, I, I didn't, have a chance to watch the full, what was it, like 10 minutes of gameplay preview that they did. I didn't have a chance to watch that, and I'm like, on the one hand, I really want to watch it. On the other hand, it's just going to make me mad that I don't have a PS5. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it looks it looks really cool. Um, you know, and the, I think they tried to show off some diversity in the gameplay too. So they showed some interior sections and everything, some boss fights. Um, so, um, uh, you know, this is what Sony does best. Mm-hmm. And this is the game at the show that showed that off the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so this will be a big, big hit for Sony this Christmas season mm-hmm. when it gets released. 
That, that's me going out on a limb and making a mm-hmm. prediction here. Um, Sony's going to have a big hit with Spider-Man 2. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> um, they also showed off a game that has been heavily rumored, a remake of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, which they have retitled to Metal Gear Solid the Delta symbol, Snake Eater, <laughs> which is kind of, I don't know, weird and interesting, I guess. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> um, this looked good. I mean, it looked yeah. like Metal Gear Solid 3 with, you know, modern graphics and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you like that game. Um, they also announced alongside that the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1, mm-hmm. which is going to include Metal Gear Solid 1 through 3, as well as the original Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, I, I assume those are the MSX versions uh, and not the mm-hmm. NES versions that mm-hmm. they're including there. Um, but anyways, um, this would be Metal Gear Solid 3, the original version, not the remake version mm-hmm. that you're getting in this package. I'm kind of surprised that they're doing that, um, you know, releasing that theoretically at the same time as they're releasing this remake, Mm -hmm. making that available to play. It seems not like a very capitalist thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, having all those original Metal Gear games available in one collection to play is very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've only actually played the NES Metal or Metal Gear. I haven't played any of the other ones, so I'll probably get this so I can play through them. Yeah. Um, and the MSX version of Metal Gear is very similar to the NES version. It's mm-hmm. Metal Gear 2 where they diverge quite a bit. Okay. Um, the NES Metal Gear 2 is an entirely different game than the MSX version mm-hmm. of Metal Gear 2. Mm-hmm. I forget all the details of it, but they're mm-hmm. different games. Um, they also announced, again, something that we've talked about on this podcast before that's been rumored, an 8-inch dedicated streaming device. This basically looked like a phone with uh, the two halves of the PlayStation 5 DualSense controller slapped mm. onto either side of it. Mm. <laughs> and this is going to be a device to just stream PlayStation 5 games. So mm. you have to own a PlayStation 5. And then you can stream games to somewhere else that you are using this device. Mm-hmm. I still don't get the market for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless this I'm... thing is less than $100, I don't know who's going to buy this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, th- I think it's, you know, if you're like going on vacation and you want to keep playing your PS5 game or whatever, like then it's nice. But again... If it's over $100, is it <laughs> worth it? Right. <laughs> but, you know, like, like even on vacation, like, if you're buying this for, like, say, your kids, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or I guess, this, like... This is not a device for them to play in the back seat mm-hmm. because you're streaming. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to have Wi-Fi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess the other thing I could see is, like, depending on how expensive it is, I could see where, like, my sister has a PS5. Mm-hmm. I do not. So, like, I could see me getting it and using, like, her accounts and everything to Mm -hmm. be able to play PS5 games while I'm here and she's in Minnesota. Right. Yeah, I mean, but my my understanding is her PlayStation 5 will be occupied because you're streaming from it. 
Oh, not from, really? Not from the cloud. Mm-hmm. So that's like, so weird. So yeah, I think what you're saying is like very understandable. Like if it was a thing where you know you had you have two kids, right? And you could have one playing the PlayStation Five, and one of them could be streaming games to this mm-hmm. games that are digitally already in your account, yeah. right? That makes a whole lot of sense. But at least so far, what we know that is not at all mm-hmm. what this device is. Sony, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a question we all ask quite a bit. <laughs> Sony, why? Um. So we'll see. They didn't release a lot of details of that. So maybe when more details come out, maybe it will be more of that. Maybe this is part of more of their deal to counter, um, you know, Xbox with their cloud gaming streaming. Um, I think part of that, part of them not talking about that may be that Microsoft is still trying to get this Activision deal mm-hmm. approved. And part of the reason that the British officials uh, denied that deal was they worried about the future of cloud gaming. So if Sony were to introduce a new handheld device that allowed you to stream games directly to it uh, without their hardware, without a PlayStation 5, right, then maybe that hurts the argument they have against Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why we're not actually getting details. It seemed weird to announce new hardware and go, that's it. We're not talking (laughs) about it. So it's like you, Bruno, we don't talk about it. <laughs> so your dream may actually still come to fruition, mm-hmm. right? But the issue is still the cost because yeah. if it's not a hundred dollars or less, like even in that situation, like I'll say even even in that situation, a hundred and fifty would be too much. Yeah, mm-hmm. at, as at that point, when you start getting to one fifty, two hundred, you start mm-hmm. going, well, should I just save up and buy my own PlayStation Five? Yeah. Um, let's see. They showed off the first trailer for Assassin's Creed Mirage. This is the Assassin's Creed going back to the old style of Assassin's Creed games. So you're sort of part four and prior uh, style of games. This is not the more open world RPG style that's been mm-hmm. the last, what, three Assassin's Creed games. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked good. It looked like a very modern version with really cool animation uh, of those old Assassin's Creed games. Um, I don't know if people, like, the reason they switched those games up is people got bored of that style mm. of Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. So now them going back and making a new one, I don't know if people really want that or they're just saying they want it. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be uh, interesting to see. Uh, they showed our first footage. Uh by the way, they gave a date for that. That's coming out October 12th. Coming out five days later on October 17th is Alan Wake 2, which they have announced is only coming out digitally. There will not be a disc release for Alan Wake 2, mm. which is uh, kind of bizarre because that looks like a sort of big budget game. Mm-hmm. Um Anyways, Alan Wake 2 looks like Alan Wake 1 in a lot of ways. So I guess for the good and bad of that. It is supposed to be more of a kind of survival horror style game than the original was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I like the original Alan Wake. I don't know how excited I am for part two. Mm-hmm. Um, they showed off some more footage of Street Fighter Six. They showed off some more of the story mode of that game. That game still looks really cool. 
They also showed off quite a bit of Final Fantasy 16 mm-hmm. in one of these trailers where there is just insane things happening <laughs> on screen for yeah. the entire trailer mm-hmm. and random lines of dialogue spoken by different characters. <laughs> so there are just characters going, we'll never make it. And then another character chimes in immediately saying something like, the crystals, we must abandon them. Mm-hmm. And there's no context for any of this. So it's, it's a really weird trailer style. However, OJ, you are a resident uh, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy uh, fan. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this? So I, I know that they, they've really, really changed from turn-based combat, and it's a full action RPG. Um, but it looks, it, looks, it looks good. It looks like it's not Stranger of Paradise. It looks closer to 15. Uh, from just what I can see with it. Uh, and I'm very, very excited to fight as icons uh, and have those big icon fights. I hope they're a large part of it and not a very small part, and they showed it all in the trailers. Um, but it seems like they'll be a pretty big part. The, this uh, is the sort of like Godzilla-style fight yeah. scenes and everything. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and see, that's fine. And if Final Fantasy fifteen had done something like that, I would have been more excited about it, but they changed. They made it so you were fighting with your original characters like that uh, towards the end of the game, and that just ruined it for me. But I think if they if they have it separated as oh you're fighting as an icon now, this is that type of combat, then I think it looks better mm-hmm. to me. Um, and I saw some of the the stuff that people were talking about playing the the demo, um, where they they give out the demo to um, di- different people, and they said uh, it's. Uh, like games, games of throne, Game of Thrones, like, mm-hmm. uh, which I like Game of Thrones all the way up until that last season. So I, I'm kind of excited for that storyline. But I did hear that there's like a Pepe Sylvia type character in the game that like keeps track of everything because the story is so complex that like you need people in the game to keep track of everything so you can like know what's happening. Mm. So I, I don't know how I feel about that, but. Uh, I don't it from this trailer I'm excited about it I'd say yeah it, it looks really good yeah like I mean I'll give them that I I think I read the same thing about the like sort of lore index yeah. which is sort of a turnoff to me cuz uh-huh. I that's not the type of player I am with yeah. a game where I want to like mm-hmm. Any game where the story is so complicated where I need somebody to, like, yeah. you know, go back and reread uh-huh. and remind myself of what's going on in the story, that's a turnoff to me. Mm-hmm. To me, that's not good. That's not good storytelling. Yeah. Like, that's good right. storytelling, I should be able to, like, kind of jump on board and follow and flow with mm-hmm. the story. Yeah. Um, but there are people who love those sorts of stories, mm-hmm. right? And maybe... Th- that's, I know my sister's going nuts for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think people who dive into the lore of things, like, right, mm-hmm. this is right up their alley. Yeah. Like, that they can, like, even after they have beat this game, they're going to be able to go mm-hmm. back and dig more into the lore of it and everything. Yeah, um, yeah it, you know, it's, that element's not for me, but mm-hmm. everything else about the game looks amazing. Yeah. And uh, so my biggest complaint about Final Fantasy fifteen was that the, all of the lore was not in the game, so you had to watch the movies beforehand. You had to watch, mm. read the comics. You had to do all of this stuff. 
And then so playing through the game, having not read or seen any of that, it was very confusing. Mm. So I think having it in the game is better than not having it and having it in separate stuff as that. Yeah. Um, but uh, some games I'm willing to do a really deep dive on for the story. And Final Fantasy is generally one that I'm willing to do that for. I wouldn't do it for a lot of games, but uh, Final Fantasy, I'm, I'd, be, I'd be willing to. All right. Um when I walked in today, the two of you were watching the Dragon's Dogma 2 trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I don't know this is the first look we've got at this, but certainly the most extensive look yeah. we've got at it mm-hmm. so far. Um, you know, what do y'all think of it? Well, I, I love Dragon's Dogma 1. Um, and it's a, it's a fantastic game. It looks like this is going to be very similar to it. Uh, so I'm excited about that. The one thing that I hated, I hated the trolls fighting them every single time. It was just annoying. And so they're, they're going to be back in there. But um, but it looked like they had, like, really expanded enemies. Uh, it looked like a really good story from the brief clips that I could see. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks really good. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about it. They had a really big, creepy enemy. Uh, it looked like some type of like large goddess or something, and she looked pretty awesome. Yeah, when she like leans yeah, in and yeah. looks at the, one the that's character right after the Medusa yeah. one is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very creepy character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I'm I'm all for that. And like you said, Medusa character is going to be in there. So I'm I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, I liked uh, the look of the physics in it. Mm-hmm. You know, that first game has you climbing up onto giant enemies and yeah. everything. That was part of the original, mm-hmm. like, cells pitch of it yeah. and the scale of the enemies. And mm-hmm. this one, I know, at one point shows a bridge collapsing, yeah. which looked like it was happening real time mm-hmm. in the game. That looked really cool to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and I was wondering, if that, is that something that you can stop from happening, or is it supposed to happen? Because, like, if it's something you can stop from happening if you do everything right, I think that's a lot more interesting than if it's supposed to happen in the story. Right, just a scripted mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, we mentioned earlier uh, Destiny, um, that Bungie had some other things in the works. One of those is a, a sort of reboot of... Marathon. So the Marathon games were originally first-person shooters for uh, the Mac. Um, they only came out on the Mac originally. And they are rebooting that, though it's not a real reboot it, because it's going to still take place in the same universe that those original three games did. But it is very much separate. This is not like Marathon 4. This is a new sort of interpretation. It's going to be very sort of player versus player focus. There's not a single player component to it. This sounds like another of Sony's live service games Mm -hmm. coming directly from Bungie. Um, This looked really cool stylistically. The look of the characters and the world and everything. I don't know how excited I am about a player versus player marathon game. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at least it looks good, I suppose. Um, They showed off a game called Fair Games with the S a dollar symbol. I love that Sony, one of the biggest companies (laughs) in the world, is making an eat the rich game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is from uh, Jade Raymond's studio. So Jade Raymond uh, really made her name working on the Assassin's Creed games. And then she left and she went and she was at um, Google Stadia for a while. 
um, and then until that all imploded. And she worked with, um, I'm trying to think, she worked at another studio for a while and really has not released a game in quite a few years. Um, at one point was a very prominent, well-known name and figure in the game industry. This is her finally releasing a game. Yeah, it is the Eat the Rich game. <laughs> uh, the trailer, before they show any of the actual gameplay, was very much like, uh, hey, we are um, we are overthrowing the rich. It's like we- five people have the majority of the world's wealth, and we're going to change that. <laughs> it's like, Sony? <laughs> <laughs> this is a three-player heist game, um, and it looked cool. It looked like they were doing a lot of stuff with different you know, uh, tools and weapons and everything. So, uh, I think this is one that I'm excited for. Like Mm -hmm. I, I love a good heist story, you know, whether it's TV or movies Mm -hmm. or books or whatever. So I'm, I I wasn't too thrilled. I think that the, the characters look kind of generic post-apocalyptic y. Yeah. But I think that they look very hackers. Yeah. Mm. But with that said, I think I, I am going to be keeping an eye on it and seeing if if it, if it, conti- if it does more to hook me in. Um, let's see. Square Enix showed off a new game called Foam Stars. Foam Stars looks basically like Splatoon meets a rave. It is literally <laughs> Splatoon meets a bubble rave. <laughs> Um, and it has characters firing, like, basically foam-slash-bubble weapons at one another, and you are covering the uh, the level with different colored foam. Yep. So I, I assume it plays, it functions like in Splatoon. You're trying to cover more of the level <laughs> with, uh, with your colored foam. It looked really cool, and then you can, like, surf on the foam. So it, it really looked like one of those games where somebody said, hey, Nintendo made a really cool game. Let's just copy that yeah. and make our own version. Hey, can I, I – I didn't do the homework. Can I copy yours? Sure, but change it a little. That way it doesn't – that way the teacher doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Foam stars. Yeah, the teacher definitely knows in this case. <laughs> um. But yeah, that that looks fun. I mean, it looks like a unique kind of fun game. Uh, I guess not that unique because uh, it is a Splatoon copy, but <laughs> it it just looked fun mm-hmm. from what they showed off of it. Um, another game that looked really cool is the Plucky Squire. So we've seen some video of this before, but this was a much more extended look at the game. This is the game that starts off uh, very much like in inside a storybook and so it is you're walking from one page to the next page it's got a very like style of like kind of hand drawn uh to all the characters and everything um and it is sort of a uh, mostly overhead though there were some scenes that they showed where it switched to a very much a side scroller sort of view but the thing that really, I think, stands out about this game, really makes it kind of unique, is that at times you can jump off of the page. And when you jump off of the page, you're suddenly into a 3D world where you are a little character in the big world. And so yes. you're exploring, like, the bedroom where this children's storybook is, but you're, like, very tiny as your character exploring it. The this thing- game looks incredible. The thing I think they showed off this time for the first time that I hadn't seen any of before was they showed you, like, 
even within the store, um, within the real world, there would be like, hey, uh, somebody has a dollhouse, and on the dollhouse, there's a picture on the wall, and you can jump into that picture. And so that looked very much like a Mario Odyssey. Mm-hmm. So the elements where you're like going from 3D to 2D mm-hmm. on the wall and using that to like walk around the corner of the wall and come out the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, just a cool looking game. This mm-hmm. game looks incredible. And th- this one is like, dang it, I don't have a PS5. <laughs> but th- this looks like one that I, like, I'm going to make my sister get and then play when I'm home over winter break or, so- or when I go home in summer. or Because this game just looks so... It's both adorable and I, the transitions from 2D to 3D look so seamless. And I'm like, this, this is everything. Yeah, and, I, you know, like, yeah, it, it does look very cute, very adorable. I think that's the right word. Um, and it's one of those games where you, you want to be really careful when you go, it's adorable because you don't want people to misinterpret that. Because yeah. it, it, it genuinely looks like a cool game and fun. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not entirely trading off of its style, right? No, no, it looks like, you know, it it looks like a fairy story. And so, like, we get that sense of childlike wonder with it, but not in a way of, like, oh, you know, it looks like Teen Titans Go and is going to be for two-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. Um, let's see. They had Phantom Blade Zero, which I think this is the first we've seen of this game. This was an action sword fighting RPG, uh, sort of a, a Japanese sort of ninja shogun style to it. Um, this game just had really cool sword fighting in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it. I was kept trying to figure out how much of that is I am pressing a combo of buttons mm-hmm. and how much of that do I actually have control of. Mm-hmm. Because they showed at times where two guys were attacking you at the same time and you're fighting one and then you turn and fight the other and then you like split your sword and like attack them both at the same time. And I'm trying to figure out, is that a combo of buttons I'm hitting Mm -hmm. or am I actually controlling that as Mm -hmm. it happens? And all of it's happening super fast and everything. Mm -hmm. That looked really cool. Uh, and then they showed some really cool uh, set pieces again, where you're like on a wagon being pulled by horses on the side of a mountain and guys are coming up and attacking you from both sides, also on horseback. And like, it all just looked super cool. Um, and I, I just don't know what that game actually plays like. Um you know, there's elements of it that look like it would be very Souls-like, like the Dark Souls games, and then there's elements that look more like something, say, like Ninja Gaiden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a game I'm going to have to know more about mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to know how excited I should be. Mm-hmm. Um, they showed off Sword of the Sea. This is coming from some of the developers who made Journey. This looks very much like Journey with skateboarding tricks added to it. You have a sword, you can ride that sword, um, and when you're riding that sword, you can ride it up half pipes and stuff <laughs> and do tricks. Um, it looked cool. It looked very much like Journey. So, you know, if you like Journey, I guess there's a reason to be excited for this. Um, 
They show off Revenant Hill, which is the new game from the Night in the Woods developers. Um, you know, it definitely showed you going through some different environments and everything. I don't know what to make of this game other than if you really like Night in the Woods, this game looks an awful lot like Night in the Woods. Same sort of uh, look and style to it and everything. Um, they showed off a game called Ultras, or Ultros. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a very cool-looking Metroidvania game. Um, it looks very trippy. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing. It just looks very trippy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, watching it, and, of course, like, they had shown this Sword of the Sea, Revenant Hill, but then they had shown, like, these super um, ultra-realistic games, like mm-hmm. Phantom Blade Zero and Spider-Man. And one of the cool things was... These games look very different. Yeah. Like they look very, like they each, for the most part, had their own style to them. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing looking at this game. Like we've had a lot of Metroidvanias. Mm-hmm. This doesn't look like any other Metroidvania. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like right. it's clear from the style of it that it is a Metroidvania in the way that you play it. Mm-hmm. But the look of it, the trippy look, you're mm-hmm. right. Like it doesn't look. It doesn't look like mm-hmm. any Castlevania game I've ever seen or any Metroid game I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. No. Right. So there, there's two parts of this. Uh, one is when I saw the name before I watched the video, I was like, Ultros, oh, my God, is it going to be like Final Fantasy Ultros and Typhon <laughs> and stuff? Because I think... Oh, if they gave him his own game. I, I, exactly, yeah, if it was a Metroidvania. And, like, I'm a, I'm a big <laughs> fan of Metroidvanias, uh, and so... I think that would... So someone needs to make an Ultros and Typhon Metroidvania. Second... <laughs> When I was watching it, though, I was a little thrown off because the background was too close to the foreground yeah. in it. And so I I think I might have problems when I'm playing that mm-hmm. uh, with that because they like you need to the, the background has to be somewhat like separate, but it didn't look like it really was in this video. So I'm hoping that there's something that um, yeah. is fixed a little bit. Honestly, I, I do think that. I, I love the uniqueness of the trippy style, and also I wonder about the accessibility of that. <laughs> yeah, it may be one yeah. of those games. It may be one that they need to do some accessibility checks yeah. and all that. But mm-hmm. I think that it, it looks like a really cool concept and like it's on the right track. Mm-hmm. just might need some tweaking. Yeah. <laughs> um, we talked about the, uh, the actually pretty decent cells mm-hmm. for PlayStation VR 2. They showed off some new games for that. They showed off Beat Saber, but I I think Beat Saber maybe is already out on PSVR 2, but maybe they were showing some Queen DLC mm-hmm. for this, so maybe that was the big new element mm-hmm. for it. Uh, they showed off Arizona Sunshine 2. Uh, Arizona Sunshine was a big early PlayStation, or not PlayStation VR, but just VR game in general. Um so I, I didn't like the humor in the trailer for that game. It seemed very cringy, but, you know, the game itself looked pretty decent. They showed off some more uh, Synapse. This is a game I think looks really, really cool. Um, this is a very kind of stylistic first-person shooter, like pretty much all VR games are these days. Uh, but, like, you're going into the mind of a character, and so you're trying to basically outsmart him in his mind and using uh, what looked like sort of like force pyres where you can pick up things and mm-hmm. throw them, throw mm-hmm. enemies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that game just continues to look really cool. Um, that was probably the best-looking VR game that I saw, actually. Uh, Crossfire Sierra Squad and also the placed the Resident Evil 4 remake VR mode. Uh, that also looks really good, uh, though I don't know if that opening scene where you're in the town and the guy's chasing you with a bag on his head and a chainsaw, mm-hmm. if I really want to play that in the yeah. VR. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they also showed off Five Nights at Freddy's Help Want It 2, which um, they didn't, I don't think, initially listed as a VR game, but it is at least playable via VR as well. Um, I don't know. Any of you big Five Nights at Freddy's fans? I, I am. It's one of those, like, it's one of those, like, Bendy and the Ink Machine where, like, I know a lot of fan songs from it, <laughs> and so, like, I'm familiar with it in that way, but I have never and will never play it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting to me seeing how, like, we've got this. They just released the movie trailer for Five Nights at Freddy's. And so I'm like, I feel like this is... I don't know. It's one of those moments where... You feel like it's like, okay, my generation is adults now and making things mm-hmm. that we want to, <laughs> that are nostalgic for us. <laughs> so I, I played the original Five Nights at Freddy's and it was, I liked it. It was, it was, it was something new at first, but the, the rest of them I've just been like, yeah, it's not really that big. And I, I don't want to play it in VR. Like you said, you, you don't want that Resident Evil 4 where he's coming at you with the chainsaw. You don't want to do that in VR. I don't yeah. want to do uh, Five Nights at Freddy's at VR. Yeah. It's just, it's very much a jump scare game. Yeah. Like, yeah. you really want to mm-hmm. jump and, mm-hmm. you know, knock over the lamp or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess I we... I think that it's, it's, I'm glad that they're doing it because I think there is an audience for it. Mm-hmm. I'm just not that audience. <laughs> mm-hmm. We didn't talk about the trailer. You mentioned that they did release a trailer for the movie. It doesn't look particularly interesting to me, Mm -hmm. but again, I'm not the target audience for this movie. So um, hopefully for the fans, it is very exciting. Um, They had a game called Immortals of Avium. Uh, This is a first person magic shooter. I actually thought this game looked really cool. Uh, It reminded me a lot of Hexen and Heretic, Mm -hmm. um, which were early first person uh, shooter games that were magic based. Mm-hmm. Um, this game looks an awful lot like those, um, or I guess like a spiritual successor to those is kind of my feeling. Um, and I guess it just, it looks like something new and different and interesting from another military shooter. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the magic was very bright and colorful that they were doing. So it made it look kind of cool and neat to play. Um, they also announced Ghost Runner 2, which added vehicles, um, had a few cool sequences of motorcycles riding down the sides of buildings and stuff. Hell Divers 2, which switches from an overhead view to a third person behind the back view. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cat Quest, Pirates of the Peribian. Peribian. <laughs> oh my gosh, that looks so cute. I'm so excited. Um yeah, so, you know, that's the second Cat's Quest game, I think. I think the third one. Is it the third? Okay, have there been two of those? I, I so I've actually, I actually literally just heard of these for the first time last night. Uh-huh. And 
but I, when I, I looked up this trailer because I was like, Pirates of the Caribbean sounds adorable. <laughs> and ever, and people in the comments were saying this was the third one. Oh, so. Okay. Yeah, I knew there was at least one. I didn't know there was a second one. Um, and there's a game called <laughs> Tower of Agashba. Agashba? I don't know. Um, and then the Talos Principle 2. I will say that the original Talos Principle is a very good game. Um, is very much a sort of uh, first-person puzzle game in the style of something like um, uh, Portal. Um, and so making a part two to do that is pretty exciting and everything. Um, all right, that's everything from the show. And that brings us to the end of our show with our big question, since we just spent a whole lot of time talking about the PlayStation Showcase. For our question this week, which of these games are you most excited for? So, Alicia, which of these games from the PlayStation Showcase are you most excited for? I think it's got to be the Plucky Squire. That just, it looks so charming. It looks like the kind of game that I could play at 8 years old or at 28 (laughs) and just have a blast no matter what. I'm so impressed with how seamless the transitions between 2D and 3D look. I love Mm -hmm. the creativity of... You're in the storybook world, and then when you come out of it, you know, you're still little. You're still going around like, oh, my gosh, there's giant rats. Ah, flashlight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just, I think that looks so charming and so fun. It it reminded me, I I forgot to mention this one earlier, um, Zelda Link Between Worlds, the Mm -hmm. 3DS Zelda game that came out a few years back, um, you know, had a lot of that of you're in a 3D world, but then you can jump into onto the wall and you mm-hmm. become 2d move around and um you know there's elements of that in it but yeah that's a very cool looking game um and you know like that's very exciting it's very exciting to see studios making those kind of games right instead of everything having to be the hyper realistic yeah. kind of view mm-hmm. um oj uh how about you so a I- Dragon's Dogma 2 actually jumped ahead of Final Fantasy 16 a little bit for me with this trailer uh, because it looks it looks so fantastic. I mean, I'm still excited for Final Fantasy 16, but Dragon's Dogma looks like it might be much more manageable to play through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so I'm excited. And I really loved all of the things that Dragon's Dogma introduced. Um, and it looks like they're keeping all the good stuff. Uh, so that one, uh, but also Final Fantasy 16. Also, I really enjoyed Helldivers. Mm-hmm. But I didn't play it a lot, but I really enjoyed it. So Helldivers 2 might be a good a good one, too, that I was looking at. Yeah, the new perspective on that mm-hmm. makes it look interesting. Yeah. Like, instead of just doing a, a another Helldivers that would mm-hmm. end up looking pretty much the same, yeah. I feel like, yeah. as that first one. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Um, but ov- overall, I'm very excited with all, almost everything on here. So um, it's a, it was a really good showcase. Yeah, so uh, for me, I mean, obviously Spider-Man 2 and the Plucky Squire, I think those are Mm -hmm. two standouts for me off of this list. But I think the one that I'm probably most excited for is Revenant Hill. Mm -hmm. Um, I really love um, A Night in the Woods. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic game. It has a great story. Um, I feel like it's the sort of game that, you know, I, I think back to when I was younger, those sorts of games didn't get made. When I was a teenager, those sorts of games weren't getting made. Um, and that seems like, you know, it's very much a game trying to capture that 
time periods, like 90s teenager angst <laughs> using <laughs> cute and adorable animals, mm-hmm. right, with yep. a sort of murder mystery, like, latched mm-hmm. into it as well. Um, that's a really fun game, completely worth playing. I'm excited to see what they do next. I hope it's not just a retread of what they did with Night in the Woods. I hope that they're bringing something new to it. Um, you know, I don't mind that it's a very similar art style because I think that makes it very clear it's their, their game and, you know, makes it stand out. Um, so I hope that this is something really cool and I'm excited just to find out anything new about the game. Um, but yeah, I think I agree with you, OJ. I, I think several standouts as part of this show that I'm very excited to play. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I end up playing them on the PlayStation or as Xbox reminded us with a tweet that went out <laughs> immediately after the show, they put out a tweet that said, we're very excited that these games are coming to Xbox as well. And they like <laughs> listed off <laughs> with images, like, you know, half the games <laughs> or wow. over half the games that mm-hmm. were part of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, as always, most third party games are going to come to multiple right. places, mm-hmm. not just to one system. Um, but that does it for our show this week. Uh, thank you as always, OJ and Alicia. Uh, thank you for those of you listening uh, as always, you can check out past episodes and more information going to salukigames.com. And we will be back soon with another episode because we are in E3 season and it's going to start popping off every week with new information, new shows, new announcements. Uh, you know, it's Christmas time for video games because <laughs> <laughs> you get all the exciting announcements and everything. So this is a you get fun all the time exciting year. announcements before we have to spend money on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well. So this is Christmas time because we just get the joy of new things <laughs> before we have to pay for them. Well, and we also are getting some big major releases. So we got Star Wars Jedi Survivor. We just got uh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. We're getting Final Fantasy 16 soon. Um, there's two or three other big releases in the next month. Um, it's a really exciting time in video games, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think it's it's really cool uh, it's, to see all this popping off all at once and everything. Um, plus, you know, we always have the possibility of something big and new and exciting just catching us completely off guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode. And until then, take care. Bye.